Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, then all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for August 29th, 2021. Koyo Kobose here. I'm so very, very glad you joined us. Uh, for some reason, sometimes when I go sit on the toilet, <laughs> that's when I do a gush show. Put my hands together and bow my head. And, and I found myself... Uh, you know, traditional gasho is done with the palm to palm together uh, in front of the heart okay, or your chest. Whereas sometimes I raise it up so that my thumbs are sort of pressing against the, the base of my nose between my eyes um, and my index fingers pressed against my uh, front of my forehead. And then I was thinking, gee, I said, well, I'll call this my deep gusho, push it against your head there and bow your head. And uh, plus, of course, toilet gusho is a, is a natural. I think it's, a, you know, sitting there and it's a nice pause. A nice pause, and he's, okay. uh, and then I was thinking, hmm, I do the, my deep gusho. Uh, of course, that this, this doesn't mean anything's wrong with traditional gusho. Should um, mainstream traditional orthodoxy encourage individualization, uh, liberalness of? Uh, you know, uh, uh, evolving, personal, personalizing the teachings, or should this, or should they be so orthodox that in the tradition say, well, no, you got, you, you, you shouldn't do that kind of gusho. You do the regular gusho, and that's it. Don't start experimenting and individualizing things. Now, what do you, what, what do you think about this? I'm always for. I consider myself a liberal, I guess, what you call. Meaning that when it's the group versus the individual, 
or in this case, uh, say a particular denomination with its certain uh, traditional rites and rituals and so forth, and say an individual follower, uh, not that he's anything in a negative way against the traditional forms, but in addition to, not to replace or compete, but just to to evolve personal mudras and mantras. Okay. Mudras, of course, is uh, hand gestures. Uh, and all mudras really mean the ones that the Buddha did, you know, where he had certain hand gestures that had different teachings to it. Uh, so that's sort of a technical term. But it could be, I use it in the sense of very general, generalized term to refer to any kind of hand gestures, whether it's traditional or individualistically generated. Okay, And the same thing with mantras, recitations. There are certain traditional ones. Okay, Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, Nam-mami-dabutsu, or whatever it is. And then there's something where maybe some individualized has some special recitation, personalized, individualized. Uh, is this seen as a threat to the groups or the the denominations? You know, should a should a uh, traditional denomination encourage individual exploration, customizing? and evolving, not so that it would replace the other, but in addition to the traditional teachings and and the rituals and so forth. Okay, Not instead of, um, but uh, I was thinking about this, and I guess I suppose it could be uh, an issue, you know. Um, it could become an issue if... Because the the group, uh, the traditional thing wants to control in a way, you know, uh, its members. And this is when you get into reform or liberal versus traditional orthodoxy. Um, and uh, I think the traditional view is there's a backlash. No, no, things are too individualistic. No, no, no. Okay. We see this playing out several decades now in terms of modern spirituality where uh, people were individualizing, customizing their own tradition that they grew up in, that they still belong to. Okay. Not in a negative way as against, but it just happened that when they applied this particular traditional teaching in their daily life, well, it just naturally became uh, individualized a little bit. Not drastically, maybe, but just a little bit. Okay. Instead of doing a traditional gasho, maybe they did a gasho, you know, with their with their palms together up near their face, huh? or they did a one-handed gasho, or you know, etc. Um, and I feel that this is what it, spirituality means. And that's why the word spirituality, some people don't like that. Traditional people don't like that because 
that connotes, implies a little bit of individualism okay, when you're spiritual rather than the word religious. Okay. The word religious has a little bit of a meaning of traditional orthodoxy in there. Uh, whereas spiritual means, well, it's more liberal, reformed, open. Okay. This is something to think about. And I think um, it doesn't have to be confrontational or, you know, versus type of a thing. Uh, but we saw this happen in modern spirituality where uh, individual customized uh, the traditional denominations, rituals and forms and mudras and recitations and so forth, how things were done. I think that's a natural thing. You're you're sincere. An individual is sincere and he's practicing his traditional rites and rituals and then just you know, something moved him or something, and he did it a little bit different, just a little bit. He says, ah, that felt, you know, like it really went deeper in me. And then maybe he influenced others, and then a small group started. He said, oh, this is, we find this really more impactful, okay? They didn't mean it as versus or against or rebellion or anything, they were just looking for their own spirituality, making a deeper impact. And then this is how, in the broad view, you know, modern denominations and and how reform started okay, and how separate groups developed. Okay. And, of course, the establishment, hey, they try to stomp that out. And, of course, I suppose if you want to talk about it in terms of sociology or uh, economics, well, the established orthodoxy, you're, we're talking about money, okay, power and money, and they, and they want to keep it, okay. Whereas the individuals are, they're not coming from to start anything. You know, I'm going to start something new and then go for it. I'm going to be against the orthodoxy. No, I think they were just sincerely following the way that they were raised or whatever, and then they started to individualize it just in a natural way. And if it worked for more than one person, then you got a little movement. And then so you had, let's say, um, in the case of Judaism, you had, you know, the ones that lasted so many thousands of years in the same way, and then you had the formation historically the formation of a reform movement. Then you got two big, you know, orthodox versus the more liberal. Okay? And we see this in the Protestant Reformation, okay? Luther and whatnot, uh, you know, and so forth. And Buddhism is in a unique position because I think of all the world religions, Buddhism is the most liberal. The Buddha himself, the founder himself said, hey, don't accept something just because I said it. Check it out in your individual life. When you think about that statement, this has been pointed out by Buddhist, uh, other, you know, Buddhist scholars and whatnot. Why? How? That, that is so unusual. 
for the for the founder to say, hey, you know, check it out yourself. This is this is revolutionary. Okay. Just let the Dharma I don't don't in the West, somehow Western scholars, religious scholars or something, they always look at the the individual person as the founder of a religion and everything they that's their framework paradigm rather than the teaching here's the here's the main teaching no they say oh here's jesus here's buddha here's muhammad or something you would look at the founder as a person individualist and so forth rather than what is the main teaching and the buddha always stressed the dharma you know, when he was close to death, his follower, his most faithful follower, Ananda, came and said, oh, what are we going to do when you're gone, man? And he says, hey, the Dharma's going to be your teacher. Huh? Or he would even, he even said a more, even more revolutionary thing. He said, hey, Ananda, be a light unto yourself. Huh? Holy. He, 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 he was. A revolutionary in that sense. Uh-huh. Wow. You don't say, follow me. I'm the only one way. Or they use the word true as a political tool. No, this is the only way, true way. You got to follow this or not. How common is that in religious history and so forth? And the Buddha is... He is so liberal. He said, do what works for you. Oh, man, I just, I just, that just blows me away when you start thinking about that. And so I feel I'm Buddhist and following the way in terms of tradition if I evolve my personal teachings. Not in the sense of rebelling or being against anything, but just as part of my approach and I think it's in the case of Buddhism traditional what the Buddha taught the way he taught not just what he taught but the how he did it huh? you look you were the little okay in a modern situation you're in a little group of young people and they're saying hey hey and you see the teacher and when they ask a question or something encourages it and Bounces the question back. Well, what do you think? Not like the traditional model of, hey, I'm the authority. I'm going to tell you what to think. Okay. This is what our tradition says. Don't question it. Okay. Don't rock the boat. No, Buddhism from its founder says, customize, individualize, evolve. And even when you, and for yourself too, just because when you, you find, oh, I, I like this. Well, okay. For how long? I mean, maybe in a few years, you're going to have a lot of life experiences and you're going to be this sort of a different person. You're going to see things differently. And maybe it's going to evolve from your prior involvement. And in Buddhism, this is not only tolerated, it's encouraged. Man, you can't get more liberal and reform and than that. Huh? 
that's what I I love about Buddhist tradition. I call it. I would call it tradition. Okay, going to the people. It's centered around the the human beings, not upon the theism or the theology or some orthodox teaching as the only important thing, shining thing. Okay. It's for the people, isn't it? That's what the purpose is for, for to, to help individual spirituality. But the group, the tradition gets more important than the individuals. That's the whole history of spirituality and religiosity. Huh? Okay. Very, but as I said, that's what I like about Buddhism. It encourages it, okay? Not just tolerates it, but it encourages it. Say, hey, make it your own. Make it your own. What do you think about it? Hey, and when you decide something, don't grab onto it, become attached to it so that you become victimized by it. When you become victimized, it's self-victimization. The whole big teaching of non-attachment. Hmm? No. And so much conflict comes from that. Okay. Uh, this, is, this is the way. This is not just my way, but the way for all people because that's what I say and I have some power and so forth. And all this conflict uh, between religions and between individuals and all this stuff. But the Buddha himself said, hey, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, uh, not conflict, but differences. Yeah. Why are we so orthodox? You say, only one way. That's why one of the uh, Buddhist scholars, colleagues that I know, he didn't like the word true or truth because he, he felt that that became a social, political Weapon, you know, uh, in the sense of no, no, no. This is the this is the true way. Here, I have the truth, okay. And I, and I often use the word tr- true or truth when I talked about my spirituality. And so I was had a conversation with this colleague, and I said, "Gee, I never thought of true or truth as a bad thing," <laughs> you know playing his view of it, and I said, oh, well, yeah, I see. That could be a political, social weapon that people use to justify something. But I see it as truth as the same as reality. You know? uh, and then he goes, oh, well, if that's, what, if that's seen as that as a synonym, that truth means reality, uh, that's okay with me. I'm, I feel that the in the name of truth, all these bad things are, you know, uh, orthodoxy and against individuals, against this and that, you know, causes so much problems, okay? There's no liberalism. There's no inclusiveness. There's no diversity huh? encouragement. Uh, so it was an interesting conversation, okay? But it made me a little bit more aware about when we use the word true, uh, you know, because we don't say this is true for me. <laughs> you know, that would solve a lot of problems if we said, well, for me, this is the truth, how I see things and what's real for me, how I view the world and so forth. Huh? 
So, uh, it's not only healthy in a group sense, but I think for the individual sense, if you always feel that you're expressing yourself individually, that's what you're talking about. Because if you if you go to the other side and we say, I'm speaking for the denomination, I'm speaking for that this is true, period, and, and you don't say true for me, or this is what I how I see things. No, this is the way it is. You know, I don't know why that's a human psych, psychological mm, issue. Okay, where what is that, doesn't that seem sort of insecure? There's an insecurity if you if you feel well, I'm I'm right because I belong to the right group, and this you know then you. And you're supporting the group uh, orthodoxy. Okay? You're trying to stomp out any individualism in terms of its expression, even though it's not seen by the person doing the the liberalness as threatening. They're just doing what's impactful for them, what's evolving for them, deepening for them, but it's seen as a threat on some sociological group historical aspect. And so I think sometimes we have to be aware of this as an individual and as how we devise our own, oh, yeah, deep gut shows, you know. I see all those things as individualism as good. Keep it alive. Not a dead orthodoxy. Alive spirituality. Um. And that's just me, but I think that touches, reaches out to touch people to say, hey, I'm not just trying to elevate this teaching here. I'm looking at a person that I'm talking to right now, an individual, and saying, hey, how can you use this? Okay. Can you make it work for you? Okay. Instead of saying, this has to work for you, this is the only way. That doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't think the Buddha, in historically... It could be documented easily that he was so, such a gifted philosopher, psychologist, teacher. Everything he did was customized for the individual to make it impactful for the individual. He didn't just say, here's a teaching and everybody's got to follow it. He said, make it your own. Make it your own. That's why I love the Buddha. <laughs> That's all for today's broadcast. See you next time. Keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.